we finish up our series today called Here's the Thing. Uh, we're going to finish it up for this reason, just so everybody knows. So Alice and I are actually going on vacation this week. And uh, yeah, yay. Uh, you guys can't wait for me to leave. I know. So uh, thank goodness he's finally getting out of there. Oh, you're very kind. We, um, we got invited back on a cruise, Convoy of Hope cruise to Alaska. We did it once before. It was a blast. We partnered with them in ministry, and they asked us to come. And the church was gracious to us at the end of the last year, the beginning of this year, with a little gift. And, and so we're, we're doing some excursions. We're going on a helicopter ride to a glacier, and we're going on dog sleds. And we get to meet all the dogs, and we're going panning for gold. And, and don't worry, if we get the big nugget, we're still coming back because we like it here. And, uh, but we'll probably fly back first class. And then... Uh, we're doing all those fun things. So you're going to be in great hands, uh, not only the great staff that's here, Pastor Doug, Pastor Gina, Pastor Fran, Pastor Barry, Pastor Jerry, Chaplain Doug, and all the other volunteers and stuff that are here. Uh, Pastor Billy and Angie are coming back too. Pastor Billy will spend two weekends in the pulpit with you, and, I, and he's so good. Uh, I, I'm, that's the saddest thing about me being here is I don't get to hear him preach for two weeks, but you'll love him. And uh, so it's going to, you guys will do great, and then we'll be back and we'll hop right in again. So we're going to finish up this series called, Here's the Thing Today, and I got a new series when I come back. Um, I'm going to call it, Who Do You Think You Are? It's going to be good. So anyway, I already know where I'm heading. I get to think about it. Uh, this series, Here's the Thing, has been based on Romans 14, 17, where the Apostle Paul tells us that the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what I've said to you throughout this series is that we should be experiencing a measure of His peace and joy in our lives because of uh, you know because we're following Jesus. And that even though we'll have some difficulties and stuff will happen, that should be at the foundation of what we experience. And then we've been sort of identifying things that try and steal that away from us. And we've called them things behind the things. And some of them is our own mess and our own baggage and our own sin. Some of it is the fact that we have a very real enemy who's constantly trying to steal life from us. So we've spent this series digging into those things. I want to wrap up by uh, talking about another thing behind the thing, which is weariness. Growing weary and losing heart on this journey. And the Sometimes, you know, as we continue to walk and we, we want to do the right thing, but we, we're carrying baggage around we need to get rid of and we're, we're, you know, resting in our own strength and stuff, we get weary. And the Lord wants us to, to know to keep pressing on and persevering and finding peace and joy in Him. So that's where we're headed. I have some very bad jokes today. Like they're worse than even normal, which... What did the police officer say to his belly button? You are under a vest. Well, listen. Now, this next one, <laughs> I think this next one is hilarious, but nobody's gotten it really so far. So you're going to have to think about it and then put it away and come back to it later on in the day. Time flies when you're having fun. Measure spiders when you're not. Still nothing. Later, later you'll have a little, never mind. See, I, I thought, kept pulling, I threatened to take that one out, but should I explain it now? Okay, fine. So, if you're having fun, you time flies. And if you're not having fun, you measure spiders. Well, it's not a, oh, there we go. Thank you. 
I know, it's still dumb. That's what makes it funny. We actually talked about, for Father's Day, we were going to break out the archery targets. We have an archery tag system. It's, they're fairly safe. The bows are tipped, and they're not. But we were going to do it as a Father's Day thing. We didn't pull it off. Uh, and then we were actually going to add to it. We were going to do blindfolded archery. And, and listen, if you've never tried blindfolded archery, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> Scripture reading here on purpose. See, I need a vacation, right? You can tell. Oh. He's ready for a little break. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Did you just get that or something? (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I'm going to dig into that passage in just a minute, but we're going to look together at the book of Hebrews. Alice came into me this week. She was having her devotion the time. She does that in the patio. I was in my office and, and she came walking in and uh, she'd been reading in the book of Hebrews and she asked me the question. She goes, well, you know, who, who wrote Hebrews? Do we really even know who the author of Hebrews was? Which is a great question. And um, the answer is, we don't really know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We know that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was included in, in, in the canon. Uh, we know those things about it. We don't know who wrote it. For years, people thought it was Paul, but it doesn't really look like Paul's writing. The way that it's phrased and everything looks quite different uh, in the process, and it's not his normal people group. Um, and so there's ideas, and it's kind of fun. You know, we have pet ideas and stuff. Like I said, well, it could have been Apollos, uh, and, but, but who knows? It, we, we, one of the things we can find out when we get there, if we it's still really a burning question, we don't know. But what we do know, consensus, theological consensus on the book of Hebrews, is that it's actually an early church sermon, and, and that it's a sermon of encouragement given to the entire church because the church was being persecuted. And it was a very difficult season. And here you have these believers, you know, primarily Jewish believers, that's who was written to the book of Hebrews, who had left their, the whole way of doing things to follow Jesus. And now it was just difficult. They were being persecuted and kicked out of places. And the, the writer of Hebrews comes in and gives them this sermon, this message about hanging in there and pressing in and persevering. And, and so if you look at the book that way, it really is cool how Hebrews comes together. And so I, I'm going to do a quick sort of overview of Hebrews so we're all together when we get to Hebrews chapter 12. So the letter, the sermon, the, the book begins in Hebrews chapter 1 with the writer saying, listen, um, God has spoken uh, in many different ways through many different prophets back then, but now he's speaking to us through his son, Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the final word of God. All the other stuff was great, but now Jesus is speaking to us. And the writer says, and he's the exact imprint of God. He's the, he's the representation, perfect uh, in, in nature. He's, he's the radiance of his glory. He's God in the flesh. And so the writer is telling us that's who Jesus is. And then he goes on in chapter 1 and says, besides that, he's also greater than all the angels. That was a big deal because in the Old Testament, the angels played a major role. And so to these believers, that was significant. So we have this sermon starting off and and we're, we're told, listen, not only is Jesus the final word of God, 
He's God in the flesh, and he's greater than the angels. And then it continues on into chapter 2. And the writer says, listen, because he's greater than the angels, you need to pay extra special attention to him. And, and by the way, he says, you, you don't have to fear death anymore because Jesus has destroyed the works of the enemy. So it's building. This, this message is building. And moves into chapter 3. And he says, and Jesus is greater than Moses. And remember, Moses was a pretty big deal, uh, still is a pretty big deal, and we've talked a lot about Moses lately, but Jesus is greater than Moses. And then he moves into chapter 4, he's, he's just, this sermon is pressing on, and in chapter 4 we find out that Jesus is greater than Joshua. And that's a neat play on words because um, Jesus' name in the Old Testament would have been Joshua. And so uh, what the writer is saying is, listen, this Joshua, he did lead us into the promised land, but we didn't experience rest because we got kicked out of the promised land. But now Jesus, the, the real Joshua, the new Joshua, he leads us into the promised land, and we can find rest in him because of what he's done. And we also find out in chapter 4 that Jesus understands us. He gets us. Because he lived this life in the flesh, fully God, fully man, the Bible says that he was tempted in every way as we were, yet was without sin. He never sinned, but he experienced this life and so he gets us, and it says he sympathizes with our weaknesses so that when we're going through things, we can go to him to get all the mercy and the grace that we need. He's waiting there to give us those things. He's not pointing his fingers at us, telling how bad we are. He gets us. He understands us. And then it presses on. The message presses on into chapter 5. And here the writer talks about Melchizedek, who was the, sort of the, the precursor to the priesthood. And Abraham meets Melchizedek, and um, gives to him 10% of everything that he had taken from his spoils. And the writer says, Jesus is greater than Melchizedek. So it's, this thing is, you know, building up steam, right? And here's Jesus. He's the final word of God. He's greater than the angels. We need to be paying attention to him in the process. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Joshua. He's greater than Melchizedek. Chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9 come. And the writer says, and he's greater than all of the Old Testament priesthood and all of the Old Testament priests. He's even better than Aaron. This is who Jesus is. And so the, the picture is just growing and the, the sermon is increasing and it moves into chapter 10. And in chapter 10 he says, do you remember all the sacrifices you used to, have to do and all the rituals that you had to go through and all those observances that you had to do all the time? He said, but now you don't have to do that because he says, we now have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So this message is picking up steam. And he says, with all that in mind, he goes, now chapter 11 comes up. And he, and he starts to list the heroes of the faith. The Old Testament heroes of the faith are listed in Hebrews 11. We, we know that one is the, the chapter of, of heroes, the chapter of the faith. And he's saying, listen, this is a, all these people that have come before you on this journey. And there's a lot of them. He's, he talks about Abraham and Moses and David and Jethro and, and Gideon and Rahab. And he's putting this picture together that we need to see that all of these guys have been involved in a race. They've been running this major relay. And they've been passing this baton 
all along on the journey. And you know how relays work? And the batons passed, the batons have been passed, and they've been passed, and they've been moving forward. And all these guys have been in this race. All these people have been in this race. And he says, but, but they're in the race, but they didn't get to cross the finish line because the race is still happening. And, and the, they're passing the baton on, and it's passed it on to us now. And we're still running the race. But uh, you guys have seen relay events. Like you've watched the Olympics, and you know how the, the first few people that are running the legs, of the, they're just passing the baton, and they don't get to cross the finish line, but they usually will jog over and be there when it's going to happen, if they can get there. And they're sort of part of it, right? They're, they're part of, and they want to be there to celebrate at the finish line, if possible. All right, now hold all that in mind when we get to our scripture reading for today. And first point is we're going to talk about running the race. Running the race. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. All right, so it starts with a therefore. And whenever you read a therefore in the Bible, you're supposed to figure out what it's there for. Very good. Thank you. Um, that's a strange word. What it's there for is to connect what came up in front of it with what he's about to say. Normally, it's just the paragraph or something. But in this case, it's his entire message up till then that this therefore is connecting. Because of all these things, he says, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, here's what you need to see in this picture so that you get it. All these people that have been running this race all along and handing the batons, they're all standing at the finish line and they're waiting for whoever is going to cross it to cross it, but they're a part of it because they've been running it. And that's this big cloud of witnesses that's going on, and it's really cool. And they're urging the people on the race, press on, hang in there, keep going, it's worth it. Because the writer is saying, listen, this is, a, this is a marathon, this isn't a sprint. You need to keep pressing in and pressing on in the process. And I love that picture of the baton pass, because... One of the things I love about the church is that we're part of something that's been around for a couple of thousand years. And we're here because the people that have come before us have been faithful to what God has called them to. They've been faithful to the gospel and sharing the good news. And because of their faithfulness, we're here, and now it's our turn. And I love that picture and that analogy that we're happening in the process. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Now, also, you know, watching a race, if you thinking of the Olympics again, when, when you're going to watch a, a race, and the, I love the, the picture of the, the runners when they come out to run the race, and they have a lot of gear when they come out, you know, and they usually have big headphones on, and, uh, they're, they're, and they have, you know, uh, they have the sweatpants on, and they have a big jacket on, and they have a duffel bag full of stuff, you know what I'm talking about? A lot of stuff to run a race. And, you know, it's full of shoes. They're going to figure out what they're going to wear and everything. And they, they get out there and they're warming up and they're stretching and do all those things. And when it's time to actually run their part, they get rid of all that stuff. They start taking all these extra things off. They get in on the side. All the heavy clothes come off. You know, they, they get down to a really light pair of shoes. And then they, they get down to, you know, a really kind of skimpy outfit, like really, really silly shorts that they're going to wear. I don't know about you. I would not wear those shorts. My friend, Pastor Kevin... Uh, he's a vineyard pastor in Miami. He tweeted this, this. I don't know what his message was, but he tweeted this out of his message. Check this out. God doesn't lie, and neither do yoga pants. <laughs> I don't know what the message was, but now I kind of want to go and see it. 
But anyway, I get that picture, so I don't want to wear those things. But anyway, you, 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 they get rid of all these heavy overclothes and everything. And what the writer says to us with that in mind, listen, lay aside everything that hinders and the sin that entangles. And he's saying, so there's, there's, there's sin that gets in the way that we have to deal with, but, but there's also a bunch of other stuff that we carry around, a bunch of baggage that we need to deal with. And we've been talking about a lot of that in this series so that we can engage in and run the race that we're called to. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We need to stay focused, engaged, encouraged, keep running. We focus on Jesus. That's point number two. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So the writer says, listen, uh, all this stuff's going on and, and all these people have gone before you in a race and, and it's a big race, it's a relay, it's a marathon. It's important that you keep your eyes on the right thing. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. A few weeks ago in this series, uh, we were talking and I, I brought up Peter, the apostle, when he was trying to walk on the water and he sank. The, the passage is Matthew 14, 28 through 30. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. So I was talking about this a few weeks ago, and and, uh, actually the way I I preached it, I said when Peter um, got his eyes off, took his eyes off of Jesus, he sank like a rock. And and somebody came up to me afterwards, and the guy who actually came up to me, he's he's, he's a really good theologian, he's written a lot of books, and he came up to me and he said, oh, that was really good, did you do that on purpose? What are you talking about? You know, he said, you said Peter sank like a rock, and in the scripture, Peter's Petra, the rock. And... I really wanted to say, yo, of course, yeah, I had that all planned, but it just popped out, you know what I mean? And I'm in church, so I had to say, no, it just kind of popped out. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's going to steal that now. But anyway, uh, it's all good. But the thing was, the picture was, is that, that he took his eyes off Jesus. But did you ever look at what distracted him? It was the wind. He, and, and people, how do you see the wind? It was the effects of the wind. See, it was a natural thing that, that caused him to get distracted. And the writer's making a point that we need to see, and you can see it from that, is that lots of things will kind of get in the way to get us distracted, and we need to be aware of them. And he's saying, you need to take them off. You need to let them go. You need to get out of the way. Could be the enemy playing tricks with it. Could be sin that's doing with it. But a lot of times, it's just natural things that get us distracted. When you take your eyes off Jesus, you often get that sinking feeling. Still didn't work. I thought maybe number four it would work, but still... I thought that was funny, but there you go. I definitely need a vacation. So you keep your eyes on Jesus. You, you keep focused, the writer says. Keep doing what you're doing. Third, Jesus takes joy in you. This is really important. Verse 2, let me read the rest of it. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I've shared this with you before, but I, I want to repeat it, and I'll keep coming back to it, because some of you haven't heard me say it, obviously, and some, sometimes we hear things and we don't take them in the way that we need to, and when I first took this in, when I saw what I'm about to say, it really changed me uh, in, a, in a major way. So what was the joy set before Jesus? What motivated Jesus to endure the pain and the shame and the torture and the events 
of the cross. Why did he do it? And people were thinking, say, well, the, the joy set before him is he's thinking about, you know, going back to the throne room and being Father, Son, Holy Spirit, everything back to the way it was. But see, he had all that before he came. So something motivated him to do all that. And what motivated all of that was you. You were missing in the throne. And so he came for you. Now, here's what's really important. Don't let that just be a corporate thing where you go, yeah, us. No, you individually. So I think it this way. When Jesus was enduring the shame and the torture and the humiliation and everything that was happening, he, he saw you. He saw your face. You made it worthwhile. You made him want to do it. You made him press on and endure and do all those things. It was for you because he wanted you with him forever. And there's something about allowing that to penetrate your heart that will change you, that you're his joy. See, see, when you get that you're his joy, that will make it so much easier to keep focused on him and to get your hope in him and from him. That's point number four. See, our hope is in Jesus. Hebrews 12.3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We keep our hope in Him. I'm not trying to diminish any of the hard things that we go through. But the hope that we have is greater than all of the pain and all the suffering and anything else that we might endure. And so we, we keep our eyes on Jesus, who, who looked past everything that He had to go through for the joy that was set before Him, which was you. And we realize in that process that what we're in is this amazing race. And that it's our turn that the baton has been passed to us. And we're to run this race and we're to pass that baton on to one more and to one more and to one more. And who knows, maybe we're the generation that gets to cross the finish line and be a part of it. Or maybe it's the next generation. But when they cross, we'll be part of that cloud of witnesses celebrating this amazing life and journey and event and process that we have in Jesus. And, and the writer is just saying to the church, keep that in mind. Hold on to that when you're going through difficult things. Because your hope will stay in Him and you'll stay strong in Him and you'll continue to press in and persevere with endurance. Run the race that He's called us to and that's where life is. Amen? Amen. Ministry team here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. Let me pray for you as a group. And we'll have lunch and dismiss if you want to stay for lunch. You don't have to stay for lunch. But it's Chinese food. Let's pray. Papa, we are thankful for who you are, for your amazing love for us. You are such an awesome God. Thank you for the life that you give us. And and I pray, Papa, that we would just press on in you and that as you continue all that you're doing in us, that not only would we be changed, but it would impact the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. We ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome, awesome God. 
If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever it is. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of it today. It's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking God to forgive you what you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. It's absolutely the best decision that you will ever make. If you need help, just go and ask somebody over there. Say, I want to know Jesus. They'll know what you mean. They'll help you with that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have lunch, Lord, thank you for the food you provided today. Bless that, everybody that makes it possible. God, thank you for an opportunity to do VBS this week. Lord, let it impact the children and their families all over the islands, Lord. You're an amazing God. Praise God from whom all blessings. bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace and go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayers over there. Lunch will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Have a great day. Be kind in the parking lot. Get out there and catch some fish. Hope you have a great and grand day. Enjoy your Father's Day. Bye. Sometimes I drop into the Scottish. I'm not sure why. <laughs>